Nikki Ziegler with the combo with Dr. Nikki Ziegler. Listen, I decided to part uh, partner with um, Tiffany Denise Bell, which is a dear friend of mine. And we have this amazing conference that's coming up. So as you can see, I'm interviewing so many amazing men and women who are tapping into the nonprofit realm because she's the founder of the nonprofit CEO summit. So if you have not registered for this summit, you're about to miss out. She has put together some amazing speakers, teachers, consultants, coaches all over the world. And listen, they're coming on my show all day today. I'm celebrating, I'm motivating, I'm learning, I'm shifting, I'm receiving. <laughs> and so today um, has been uh, just a day of just receiving all kind of skills, people with different mindset, and they are pouring into me just like they're they are pouring into you. So right now, I want you to go ahead and share this live. I promise you the gentleman that I have coming up is simply amazing. Very great at what he do. I call him an expert. I've been watching him for years. And we've been in some rooms together. We never had a chance to collaborate. So this is going to be a very interesting interview. And I feel like he has so much to offer us. And I want you guys to pay attention, listen, ask questions, because it's going to be a conversation and a lot of dialogue. So if you know he's talking your language, let him know he's doing a great job. If you got some questions, listen, he's on this live and he's going to answer some of these questions. So let's go ahead and bring in, um, I'm going to call him Reverend Dr. Reverend Dr. William Flippin Jr. <laughs> How are you doing today, sir? I am doing great, Dr. Nicholas Ziegler. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure meeting you too. Um, let's go ahead and get into it. What made you decide to join the the nonprofit CEO the nonprofit CEO summit? What made you decide to join in? Well, you know, I've, I, I'm on a lot of nonprofit boards. So I, I, even though the the company that I'm endeavoring is not nonprofit, but I, but I have a lot of respect for nonprofit leaders. Number one is that usually they are birthing their baby. That that comes from a lot of risk and entrepreneurship, truly. And the way that they get their money is through a lot of times grants. And, you know, and, and, and it's hard to do that in this age of COVID, but it's even harder when you have impending deadlines and other things. So it, I just have had a great respect, number one, for particularly nonprofit CEOs, but also as a pastor, a lot of care for them too as well, because I know as many other leaders, CEOs, what have you, or people, they're going through a lot of trauma. So it's, it's also, so the motivation comes from uh, the traumatic elements for them to uh, uh, make sure that their commitment to what they, they, they birth will continue and also to see of new ways to make sure that they can find funding and other things, creative, innovative things besides relying on some grants. So let's talk about the trauma aspect of it. Give me your own, your outtake of trauma in your world. 
I mean, just being uh, African descent with fleecy locks, I actually believe that we are embedded with trauma from birth. Uh, that, 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 that comes from uh, our DNA. But notwithstanding to that, let's just say with the pandemic itself, it's traumatic. And even with 9-11, uh, the thing that got us through that, and we're still dealing with that, at least we can be in community. And I believe that no matter whether you're introvert, extrovert, or where you are on the scale, we're social creatures. We need people. So that's traumatic in itself. And also, uh, it comes from my own personal testimony where uh, for the first time, I've been married for 18 years. And the first time in my marriage, work became an idol. That usually if I, if, if I feel like I'm working too much, I can say, okay, honey, let's go to the symphony you've been talking about. I need to take a break and spend time with you. But, but, but realities that you become so consumed with Zoom and the everyday thing and not really for me, and you've seen me at a lot of social events, what really got me to integrate and be a part of the family and the circle of life is going to social events. They kind of yeah. uh, they kind of helped out a lot as opposed to being almost a robot in Zoom calls. Now, other people I've heard say they like Zoom calls and all of that. So uh, the, the tra- I'm speaking on me, the traumatic yeah. aspect for me, that I've worked harder than I've ever done in my life yeah. and still, still you know, needed to feel those connections with socially missing people, missing human interaction, and, mo- and most importantly, being disconnected, not not necessarily uh, um, um, that, that it's public or anything like that, with doing the things with my family, God, family, job. And it, and it was out of order. There you go. But you know what? I think I can honestly say the same thing for me as well. That's why I kind of lean towards Clubhouse. I've been enjoying Clubhouse and get a chance to talk and dialogue. Um, I'm a social person as well. I love going to events. I'm, I'm just that person because in my life, because I'm a natural salesperson or a coach, no. when I go into a room, um, um, Pastor Williams, I like to go in knowing nobody and leaving with leaving knowing everybody. I like going Absolutely. I like going into the room with people who I don't know because in my head, when I get in here, I get a chance to talk. They don't know who I am, so I get a chance to kind of gleam and learn people. And so I miss that. I miss that tremendously because now people are afraid to talk. They're afraid, to, you know, they're very afraid to converse unless it's on Facebook or unless it's, you know, on Clubhouse. But you are so right. I didn't think about it until you said that we have really been consumed working. We have been working. Consumed working, you know, I'm known for my bear hugs. I just miss human interaction of, of hugging and just, just being uh, in community. And I'm the exact same way. You know, I often wonder when I go to family reunions and, and you see this, why do people go to family reunions and they stay with their whole family the whole time? The purpose is to meet other people. I try to deliberately, I go to cities and this one in my head, and I try to figure out the subway system. So, <laughs> I try to figure out the subway system. So, you know, when I lived in Philadelphia, when I, I went to Boston for a day trip just because I hadn't been, I tried to figure out the subway system. Just sometimes you have to be in an element that people don't know you or you feel uncomfortable to try to figure it out and, and, and you know, miss that. So, so trauma is, is embedded. It's no accident that people are at this point, it's a labor shortage. Have you seen like an outback and restaurants they're begging people to work? Begging. Begging. They don't even bonuses, sign in bonuses to work. I'm like, what kind of mess is this? Sign in bonuses are begging people to work. People are, red, right? some people say, well, it's because we get an unemployment and then that the uh, uh, moratorium w- w- with the housing and stuff like that. But people rather 
Uh, one of the elements, and this is me just kind of being a supervisor over other people. I don't like to use the word supervisor. You have to appreciate employees because they're at this point now where they just rather not work mm. because of the realities of that. So the traumatic, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue on uh, for years to come. So, so I believe that nonprofit CEOs and others uh, have to devise new ways to uh, uh, find ways of intuition to, uh, to to understand that the business models of performance, administration, entrepreneurship, and integration, that we don't get obsessed with performance, but also know how to deal with people. Ooh, that's good. You know my favorite Zoom call? I've had probably like 300 in the last 15, 16 months. No, probably 18 months. You know what my favorite Zoom call was? Yes. This is my absolute favorite. One day I had a routine Zoom call, and I could tell within two minutes that person didn't want to be on a Zoom call. They probably had five or six straight hours. I said, look, whatever I have to talk to you about is not important. Let me pray for you. And they, they cried over the phone. That's my favorite Zoom call. Because I felt like I had the intuition and the compassion that Jesus had that you can pick up. You're human first. You know, if something is is, if, is that that important for performance, it's, you know, I don't want to be a brother. I always want to be like the woman with the issue of blood that Jesus, he had, he had a schedule. He had to go somewhere. But he took the time to say, whoa. Well, this is not planned, but let me address this at this particular point. Right, I like that. And we have to, we have to, we have to be that. We have to be practitioners. I tell people all the time. I'm known as a church growth strategist or whatever, but I'm gonna tell you the MVPs are the practitioners. Those who are the pastors, they're the MVPs. Those, those are the people who didn't go to seminary to learn about social media. They have to deal with their own trauma and also the trauma, the traumatic elements that have not been even uh, addressed in, and that's where PTSD comes in later on. You're going to have people hollering and screaming, can't even walk into a church, it's going to come. So we have to be prepared and sensitive for that. Big time, I'm telling you. And I deal with that all the time. My husband's a pastor, so... (laughs) You know, we see that all the time, and and people put so much weight on the pastor, but what they got to understand, they're human just like everybody else. You know, and I I tell my husband that all the time, baby, you're good. Like you're good. Like you don't get stressed out. Don't worry about who's not coming because, you know, they so used to people being in their face. And now it's like, you know, you might get 15 people. You might get a hundred people come to church. We're used to a thousand. So now they got to, they got to conform to this new change. Like everybody else. Right. You know, now people leaving the church and joining a whole new church online. I'm sorry. It's a mess. It's a mess. it's a mess, but I, I I love this. I love this conversation because people don't like talking like talking about what you're talking about. They try right. to avoid the word trauma in the in the body of Christ, or try to avoid the word trauma in nonprofit, knowing that it's right before your face, and you don't want to address it all because you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. These are conversations that need to be addressed. That's why I'm so happy you're speaking at the nonprofit CEO because. They need to hear this language. They need to hear this teaching because it's going to make them think. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to a conference, you know, Pastor Williams, and, and you just learn, you know, you, you listen and you, some stuff you already know, then why you're going? You have right. to go to conferences that will help you crack your brain over to make you think. And right. I think you will push us to that level to make us think. We got to think. You, you know, what does it take 
a Nike CEO, and you know Nike's doing well. I mean, Phil Knight is worth, I think, $8 billion. But surely to God, if Nike says, we're going to give our employees a one-week mental break, and if I really investigated it, I, I bet it's somebody higher up who really probably had a nervous breakdown. Um, you know, why does it take a person such as Jeff Bezos to say the circle of life is not work-life balance, but it's integrating all those aspects of family, life, and even spirituality together? Mm-hmm. Why, why does Google have to lead to say, okay, we're going to have flex hours where you determine your hours as long as you can innovate in those. Why do they have to lead the way? The church should be the headlights, not not the taillights of change. You know why? Because the respect for the church is gone. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm honest. You know what I'm saying? The the respect for the church is gone now. People have gotten so complacent with church. They've gotten so common with their pastor. The respect is just not there. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, a lot of pastors made a lot of mistakes. Church start leaving it. You know, we say we're the body of Christ, but sometimes we don't live like what 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 Jesus would want us to. And no, we're not perfect, but we, you know, what I'm saying we just got to change that mindset. But we can't change. And I'm talking about me too, because I'm a pastor's wife. You know, we can't change that mindset until we admit what we fall at, where our shortcomings come. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying you're you're the you're right. We should be the head. We should be the leaders. Yes. But, you know, what I'm saying, but we don't even like being corrected. Who he right. think he is to correct me? Well, God sent God will send anybody, a dog, a cat, a baby, to correct you. But it's up to you to be a listening ear and, and and listen and submit to what He's showing you. He'll teach you to anybody, but you gotta be teachable. And most pastors and leaders have gotten so arrogant, Pastor Williams, that they don't want to listen because they think they have already arrived. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that. If I was to say, it, it would be that right there about the church. We just gotta do better, and we gotta start accepting our wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe in the church. I believe that this could be a revival. But I tell you this, and I'm speaking this as a church strategist. And Black Lives Matter movement, first of all, didn't come out of the church. So that shows you the irrelevance of the church. But I have hope within the church. Uh, right. but, but but I don't care if you have the greatest strategy known to man. If you're trying to do it on yourself, that the way that we're going to get out of this is to revisit Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. Mm. I'm not saying we have to shout it out because this Trump traumatic element is is, is, got, is more than just shouting it out or having good worship. Mm-hmm. But we have to really come into that, that Holy Spirit moment, that spirituality moment to find those things within ourselves because, you know, you know, PTSD is going through the motions without dealing with the realities of, of your buddy head being blown off of, of those things. It comes out in dreams. It comes out in other things. So, so we need to really, you know, really reflect. In fact, I I really want to urge CEOs to allow a time, a sabbatical for their their employees to rest, to not feel guilty about taking vacation. Wow. And they make them feel that way. All because and not you know, the smaller CEOs because they don't have the manpower. That's true. To help people to be there to work. So when you say you take vac- vacation, right? Uh, I earned it. Yes, I'm taking my vacation. Right. So, so you saying making me feel bad about taking vacation? You should be happy I'm taking one because when I come back, guess what? I'm refreshed. I'm renewed. I'm revived, and I can fulfill the assignment that you have given me. But if I can't hold a breathe, I can't say, "Well, I'm gonna take a week off." Something's wrong. I just right. went to that with my with my um her ambassadors. I own a, a company called 
um, the Herpreneur Network. I'm like, I got to get some rest. Right. And they still a text. They still a call. I'm like, I specifically said, I'm resting. Right. Well, you got this, baby. Listen, I'm just going to forget it because I need that time. That's but if you don't, if you don't demand it, then guess what? And this time of season, you won't get it. Right. Right. You turn your cell phone off, you know, turn the laptop off. And I try, which I'm a workaholic myself. I can't lie. I, I love working. But we got to get to the point where we let people rest. And that's what that selfishness come in at. You're selfish. You are very selfish because you won't allow your people to get the time they need so they can come back and fulfill the assignment that you paying them for. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. The son of man rested. Jesus showed throughout the Bible when he took rest. I don't know if he was an introvert, but he rested. He rested. He rested. He went to the mountains to refresh himself, to, 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 to rest. God himself, God, God is God's gracious, rested. Uh, even even mechanical things need to rest. TVs need to rest. Animals need to rest. You know, things need to, to rest. Uh, plug uh, uh, your TV and those sort of things to uh, rest because uh, if, if that's not the case, um, you know, people will be uh, burned out. They will resent work. Uh, they will resent authority. Uh, you know all kinds of things. So, so we have to deal with with that. But I'm very. I want to also say this: the, the main thing of my talk too is to say, okay, these are the realities. The traumatic. Mm -hmm. Let's be real about it. But also, there is transformation within that. Ooh, and I believe that transformation you can't be done in a conference. It's not going to be manifested in the next four or five years. But the transformation is to set tables, set ways. I'm not calling the man cave where CEOs can form peer groups mm. where they can talk about those things because they have to always be the ones that are stronger that they can form peer groups to, to, to be at the forefront of, of, of what, what it is. And also to listen and to legislate to change the laws as well. Um, I think that's what this conference is all about. This summit is all about, you know, you got people like you who can help CEOs, then you got CEOs who speak it on their behalf. Right. And you got the people that's listening to you and the CEOs. And then you got, you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's so, I was just telling Tiffany, it's so many components that could come from this summit Absolutely. that's going to be simply amazing. Even, you know, you got people, I just did an interview with a guy named Brian um, K. Um, McNeil. He's a yes. sales coach. Yes. He came in and he spoke on how to um, better pitch yourself, you know? Right. So it's all different aspects of nonprofit with this summit that's going to be simply amazing. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. I cannot wait to hear all these dynamic speakers because y'all not y'all not holding back. We we need people like you to just tell us how it is so we can grow and glow. We gotta do it. We gotta do it. Well we're all this together. You know with God's great we make perfect and weakness. So we're all ever involving uh and and I believe that we can be transformed not by ourselves. I mean I get praying out speaking files but, but we have to really form together a community, which we're missing. It's going to be hard for people even to acclimate themselves back in community. I mean, George Barner says that that 20% of those are not even going to ever show up in the church again. This, they're too used to wearing pajamas and uh, pancakes and looking things online. They'll never walk back into a church. Now, that's not, yeah, never walk, but that's not a measure of success of how many members and stuff, but that is a metric that we're used to. So we have to deal with that. So, 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 so the church or other institutions are dealing with that metric, or hospitality is dealing with that metric. It's no accident that Wendy's had, uh, will open 2,500 ghost kitchens. So hospitality is far along than the church. They say, okay, 
And, and then Reef Kitchens are saying, we're going to build uh, restaurants within the community. We got the demographics, so we'll come to them. So why can't the church be innovative when we say, well, we can look at the demographics and, and look at that, use the money that we, we do other things, the demographics, and we come to the people, whether they are in Timbuktu, isolated on Zoom, as opposed to just being satisfied how many likes we get on Zoom and those sort of things. Because I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say this right here. I went to Birmingham yesterday, mm -hmm. and my hairstylist, you know, she did my hair. We went to Chick-fil-A yesterday. And when we pulled up a Chick-fil-A, I was like, where's the drive-thru? This, this particular Chick-fil-A didn't have a drive-thru at all. Right. We have to park our cars. You know how Sonic was when you had to park the car, push the button, order? All of them. I told her, I said, I promise you, this is a model of what's going to happen with Chick-fil-A. Like, you can't go inside the store at all anymore. You can't even go inside at all. You have to park your car. They don't even have a drive-thru anymore. And so I'm looking like, this is about to be crazy. Think about it. Already in Japan, watch out for this. This is going to happen probably in the next six or seven years. Now, the first thing that's going to happen is going to be ghost kitchens. They're going to take over at Walmart. So you have 25, 26 uh, restaurants that you're familiar with. And while you're shopping, because people go to Walmart, you can order your food. That's the next wave. Then the next wave is what they're already doing in Japan. Is like how we, uh, how you go to, um, what is that video thing where you basically can pick your videos? Not like Blockbuster, but you get uh, uh, some box. Uh, uh, um, drop uh, the red box. Red box. Restaurants are going to be like that. I give about maybe 10, 12 years, maybe sooner than that, five years, where, you where basically you can get your food and then all the person does daily is re uh, refill what what you got based on inventory. So, that's, so guess what? Let's take us back. I think you and I are around the same age. Only thing they're doing is is, is the Jetsons. We've been new about this. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to all be yeah. a part with robotics and all of that. Yep. I'm like, who is... Even when I went to Walmart the other day, I was so disappointed. I was just like, oh my God. It was like three cashiers the whole time. I was just like, man, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I mean, even the big buckets. You know how they say, well, 10 items or less? Like, no, nah, that's gone. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. Nothing but robots. Robots. Nothing Human labor versus... Uh, intuition, the feelings. So, so we have to deal with that. But, but, but you know what? We should be at the forefront of those conversations. We should have. And we, and we, and we can. We can. Based on this conference, <coughs> I'm talking to nonprofit CEOs and others. We, we're going to learn from each other. Hmm. And we're going to learn from each other. We're going to be transformed. And we're going to lead the way. Bill Gates and others will start calling us for consultation advice. I receive that. I receive, we need it. Yeah. I receive it. And, and and even with your mindset for you to speak that like that, like, cause you know, you I deal with a lot of pastors. I deal I deal with pastors all the time. You know what I'm saying? But like you say, it's it's the it's that mind. You gotta be we have to bring in people like you to kind of transform and shift their mindset. Because Separate. they want to give up. Half of them want to shut their doors. They they don't have any hope. Hope has left them. So it's so important for people like you. That's why I'm glad she's doing the summit. It's time to wake up. It is time to wake up. September 14th is going to be iPhone 13 will be introduced in Singapore. They saw iPhone 13. They'll say, what is this crap? They probably have iPhone 16, 17. So that's what we have to be as a church. And we, have a, we have iPhone 17 expectations, but a flip phone mentality. Ooh, that's good. That's good. The flip phone mentality, flip phone money, flip phone Phone resources, but we have iPhone 17 expectations. 
That's unfair, especially when you're dealing with trauma. Oh God, that's good, mm -hmm. man. I got to bring you back on my show. This is really good. I really, I have really enjoyed dialoguing and speaking to you because you have so much talent, so much information. Uh. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's good to see. I look forward to giving you a bear hug when I see you. Yes, 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 yes. So, what's next for you? Well, I just, um, I'm just, you know, I look at myself as an acumenist, uh, a pastor. A cumulus, and people say, what is an acumenist? A cumulist is one that tries to find the similarities of denominations and then from there uh, find social statements. So I'm always at the core. This is what I love to do is to have conversations, real conversations, authentic conversations. And then we come up with a document to change laws, to advocate, and to change society together with what we have said. Uh, so I'm just discerning. I'm doing a lot of things entrepreneurially. Uh, I'm a franchise consultant. I, I help uh, businesses uh, franchise themselves, but also I, I put people in franchises and the ethics of that, 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 you know, to, to tell them the ethics of, you might not, even if you approve for $500,000 for a franchise, let, let me tell you which friend, let me let you look at the FDD to look at documents, to tell you, to guide you. So, so, so ethics, the ethical realities of, of, okay. of sharing data, uh, of sharing data, but also helping those uh, reach their uh, potential entrepreneurially who are tired of punching the clock nine to five, uh, who want to make their own kind of decisions entrepreneurially, but to weigh those things out. And, and, and you know, and I love to be a fellow sojourner with that. So, so I'm doing a lot of things, but most important thing that I love the most is um, being a father and a husband. Oh, good stuff. How many kids do you have? I have one daughter. She'll be four two weeks from now. Oh, such an adorable. Oh, I bet she's adorable. Yes. You, you got, I know you got a rotten man. I know you got her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, it's such good talk to you. I, I, was I, said, I know your dad very well. I mean, amazing man of God. I love yes. him. Yes. Very hospitable. <laughs> very hospitable. So good to see you, sir. And I look forward to hearing your speech um, next week. Sounds good. Guys, listen, go ahead and follow him. Um, go ahead and research him and find him. He's he's pretty much, he's touchable. That's a good thing about it with all of his knowledge that he has. Don't forget to register for the nonprofitceosummit.com. It is absolutely free. You'll get people like, like this man of God right here that can pour back into you, especially for our pastors and leaders. You need to connect with him. Book him to come and speak at your church. Book him to, to, to hire him as a consultant to help you dialogue your church and shift your mindset. We appreciate Reverend Williams. We really appreciate you for coming on. And we will see you next time. Dr. Nick, it's a pleasure. Thank Take you so much. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.